Hi, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast. Before we begin, I'd love to thank several sponsors. I'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network first. You can find all their stuff at bgn.fm. They're responsible for getting many great USL podcasts out, so please give them a look. Also go to firebirdsoccer.net. This is the new website for our former Firebird Rising coverage, so you can find all sorts of great coverage for Phoenix Rising FC and other soccer-related news in the state of Arizona, all at firebirdsoccer.net. And lastly, we would like to thank Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is a uh, sponsor for, you know, MLS teams, USL teams, all sorts of other stuff. So go to Roughneck Scarves and find a scarf today. And now let's get on to the show. Welcome to the Rising as One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns, uh, joined by Kyle Mackey and Aaron Blau. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing good. Um, you know, just looking back, me, I was watching the replay of the of the final earlier, and you know, it was a tough game, but it it was a game that we were we were in it till the end, and you know, it didn't fall in our favor, but we still have to be proud of everything this team accomplished this season, and uh, just look forward to next season. Yeah, ultimately it was a really well-fought match. Uh, it was a great environment to, to uh, be in, uh, physically be in. I'm looking forward to hearing a little bit about uh, what it was like back home here uh, from you, Dom, uh, as Kyle and I were off in Louisville over there. So, uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so should we go right into this match? I mean, uh, tough ending to an amazing season. Um, and you guys will have to tell me about what it was like in Louisville uh, the Phoenix watch party atmosphere was fun, but I, I can't imagine it was anything like being there. Yeah, I definitely want to want to spend some time talking about that. But, uh, you know, let, let's go ahead and roll on in uh, to just some of the highlights that, that, that we had going on. Uh, games, the, the big thing in terms of roster uh, was that it finally came out as we predicted and expected that Chris Cortez would not be in the starting eleven. Uh, and also Cameron Lancaster, also not in the starting eleven for uh, for Louisville Louisville City. So two the two high scoring guys, the two big big forwards uh, center forwards, are out of the match. And uh, now you know we're going to be looking at Kevon Freider leading us uh, and and playing the number nine role to try to be our scoring chance. Um, what do you guys feel about that? I like the free freighter movement. I like the free freighter move. And honestly, he created the best chance for either side in that first half, that shot that took a little deflection. Um, you know, if their keeper didn't come up with a tremendous save there, um, I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Greg Ranjitsing. Ranj- I'll go with that. Ranjitsing, yep. Ranjitsing. Uh, if he didn't make that amazing save, we're up right there, and that match plays right into our hands. Everything changes. Um, I thought that given Cortez's absence, he was the best option, and he did very well given the circumstances. And um, but later, but I was a little disappointed to see him subbed out for Billy Forbes. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, Dominic. I think in Cortez's unfortunate absence, Freighter was definitely the man to start. Um, he just brings a lot of energy, and I think he was a player that, you know, Louisville, he didn't play for us, mu- us much this season, so Louisville wouldn't be able to watch much film on him or know really what he's capable of. So I like the move. Um, I think, unfortunately, this match kind of would have, Chris Cortez would have thrived, I think, given the few opportunities the Phoenix has. He could have capitalized, but, um, I mean, I think that Freighter starting was the best the best that we could do in that position. And, you know, that's exactly what Rick Schantz did. He did everything he could to set us up for success. 
So there was a ton of anticipation here. Of course, all the talk is about Drogba the entire time. I mean, we're there talking about Drogba. ESPN2 is talking about Drogba. Everybody's talking about Drogba. And in the fifth minute, we have our first real view of what Drogba's going to uh, Drogba's going to be going to look like uh, as there's a foul one, pretty much dead center in the middle of the field, just underneath the circle, uh, and Drogba has a heck of a chance to put a shot on goal. Uh, and is really actually one of the only free kicks that he had because uh, he had, a, uh, I want to say, three, maybe four free kick chances, and it's the only one that he actually puts on frame. Uh, Dom, tell us, what was the reaction from, from uh, the fans out there? Yeah, I mean, everyone was very excited out in Phoenix. Um, it's really a shame he didn't hit that free kick closer to goal because I think from 25 yards out, like a couple of those later chances, I think that's in the back of the net. Uh, the fact that it was far enough away gave their keeper just enough time to react to that. But he did spill it out for a corner, and under different circumstances, maybe he spills that into his own net. So we were all very excited about that, thinking that was the start of things to come, and that surely he would you know, have some more chances on target like that. Absolutely. I think that that's a little bit about what the feel was for us as well, uh, for us on the field as well, or uh, in the stands in Louisville. Um Louisville then comes back, has a good opportunity of their own at about uh, in the eighth minute uh, where Wazinski has a very nice save. And now we're really being able to see that Louisville has a chance to really control the tempo here. And we're wondering if uh, we're wondering if we're going to see very similar first 20-minute play to what we've seen in the prior, where really we're letting the opposing team control all of the pace as we're trying to feel everything out. Uh, Kyle, take me through that thought process. Is, is, is that about what your feel was as well? Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's absolutely what happened. Like you said, uh, they took control of the game. They just kind of took the life out of it. You know, they they didn't get, they possessed the ball, yet they didn't give us the opportunity to counter. And that, we all know, that's been Phoenix's strong point, especially this postseason. So, um, it really, yeah, just kind of slowed the match down. Definitely took the wind out of the, out of the Phoenix's sails because we had a hot start early on with quite a few opportunities. Um, and just to go back to that Drogba free kick, I mean, that really was a great opportunity. The Louisville supporters in that end really looked worried, um, and you could tell that they were looking at each other after and thinking, "Oh man, Drogba still has it," because I mean, the keeper had to make a save. That was a really close opportunity, and. Um, yeah, on another day, that very easily could have gone in the back of the net. But Louisville, yeah, they just took control and, you know, just didn't give Phoenix any chance to break. And it, it really, really hurt us. Uh, our next chance to score uh, is is what, what Dom referenced earlier in the 23rd minute. Johnson uh, has a chance on shot. It all really starts with Drogba in this case. Drogba takes the ball in the center of the field, plays a beautiful back heel to Freighter. Uh, Freighter's able to carry it up to Johnson. Johnson does something that he I haven't seen him do a tremendous amount of, where he really took his time and really measured. Uh, sometimes he can rush those shots a bit, and in this particular case, he actually takes some time, is able to get just maybe just a hair too little power on it, uh, and Ranjensen picks up a nice save, diving off to his right, uh, to, to kind of spoil the, the, the shot on goal. Dom, was there cheering? Was there, what was going on in your mind when you, when, when you saw Johnson actually being able to play a role somewhat in the center of the field there in a little bit of a different position than he normally, normally finds himself in? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of us weren't sure what kind of, uh, performance Johnson would be able to put out. He's had a couple nice games in the playoffs. Um, the one big goal comes to mind against, uh, I want to say, was that, yeah, that was against Timbers too, where he yep. had a very nice composed goal. And, you know, I, I loved that combination between him and Freighter. Um, I love that he actually had the audacity to take that shot on his left foot. And I think a lot of keepers would have let that ball get in on that near post, but, you know, credit where credit's due. Even though that takes a deflection, um, Ranjit Singh uh, still got down to his right side and just got a palm to it uh, because that was a very dangerous shot. And I think in a cup final like that, 
more so than in an ordinary match, sometimes you just got to pull the trigger and see what happens. You saw so many goals in the World Cup this year that were own goals or weird deflected goals. And sometimes you just got to pull that trigger and see what happens. Um, Johnson did a great job keeping it low. And uh, I think that's the biggest what if of this match because if that ball goes in, completely different ball game, then we're playing from ahead and we can lock it down defensively and we can really get into their under their skin. I mean, we were anyways, but if we're ahead, we can really get under their skin and it's, it's just that their keeper made a big save there, but that's in a USL cup final. That's what winning teams do. Absolutely. And you're, and you're right. There was a, uh, a real deflection off of the uh, defenders, uh, the defenders ankle there that, that put that ball you know, in in a very difficult position for Ranjet Singh, he played it very well um, off of the ankle. So the next major opportunity for Phoenix Rising shows up in the 32nd minute uh, with with a uh, uh, a quick shot from Solomon Asante, and we typically see Solomon Asante able to pick up a uh, some of the rebounds that occur in the box and put some power on it. This this ball felt like it was a little bit mishit. Is that what you saw, Dom? Um, I think it was a little mishit, but I think it also got blocked by their defender. I think Asante was trying to keep that ball low and try to hit it to that far left post. Um, but th- their defender did well to get a piece of that ball and really slow it down. And, you know, maybe he didn't hit it the cleanest. When he was lining up that shot, I was really excited because I thought that was going to be a goal right there. When, when Asante has the ball on his right foot like that and he's able to create space, you feel like at least 50% of the time that's a quality shot on target, at least like 40%, 30, a third of the time that's a goal. So I, I felt like that was the moment off a giveaway like that, but they must have done their homework. They must have done their scouting because, you know, to not even get a clear goal scoring opportunity there, that's uh that was really big defending. One of the, uh, <clears throat> one of the comments in one of the groups was that, you know, maybe Solomon didn't have enough touches on the ball. Kyle, what what's your feeling on that comment? Uh, I mean, yeah, I would definitely agree because I think every every time Asante's on the ball, we see something dangerous out of him. So the more he sees the ball, I think the more opportunities Phoenix gets in a match. Um, and this was definitely a match where Louisville was able to isolate, you know, our top attacking players. And they did, like Dominic said, they definitely did their homework and keyed in on Asante and just did did not give him the opportunities to create space. Um, and any time he was on the ball, just made sure that they, you know, got it away from him, fouled him, did whatever they could to get it out of his feet. And, uh, yeah, it really did did affect Phoenix. And a lot of recognition of that and, and accolade from the Louisville staff. Uh, walking out of the stadium, I happened to be walking with one of the Louisville uh, with one of the Louisville public relations staff. You know, kind of like uh, the guys that work under uh, under Jose or whatnot. And he was just saying that Asante is just a fantastic player, and he was very, very impressed with Asante's overall play. So that leads us into the half, uh, and, and, and we go into the half at 0-0. And, uh, you know, really, it, it there's a lot of back and forth. It seems like there's some misconnections. I think there was a one joke or one comment from a Louisville fan that said uh, that there was going to be a lot of Miss Con- Phoenix uh, misconnections on Phoenix's Craigslist, you know, referring to uh, uh, to one of the message boards that that's on Craigslist. Not a not a lot of great connections. Not a lot of great ball handling. Dom, what was the feeling it at uh, Phoenix Rising Soccer Complex uh, as the half whistle was blown? Um, I, it felt like it was a you know, hotly contested uh, nil-nil match. It was right there for the taking. And, you know, what I really enjoyed hearing, actually, was the Louisville coach. Um, what, what is his last name? Is John, ha- John Hackworth. John Hackworth. He had some comments at halftime that were, uh, I, I took as a really positive sign. He was saying, you know, we're waiting for a soccer game to flow we're waiting for a soccer game to break out. We feel like there have been there's been some gamesmanship in that first half, and um, that was so he was he was pretty dissatisfied with 
what he felt was us um, breaking up the flow, getting in the way of their free-flowing kind of passing. And, you know, it was exactly the way that Orange County felt in the match for the Western Conference. And so with those comments, I felt like our style was working. I felt like we were getting in their head. I felt like we just needed to take a chance and we would be able to keep them on their back foot, keep them off their A game and get that win. Yeah, yeah I felt I felt the same way. I mean, going into half nil-nil on the road in a cup final. Um, I mean, and we saw, like we said, we saw some missed connections in the first half from Phoenix. But for me, that was a promising sign because I thought, okay, we're getting the opportunities. All we need now is the finishing. And I figured that will come in the second half, you know, as these players get comfortable and, you know, they get used to playing in this cold weather. Um, so for me, I really thought, like Dominic, there was positive signs of life for Phoenix at going into halftime and coming out in the second half. Yeah, so that's it. that takes us out of the half. Uh, our next really good opportunity, or actually wasn't wasn't our opportunity. Louisville had a, a fantastic opportunity to score um, off of a really terrible play from Saad Abdul Salam. It was uh, really uncharacteristic of him in the 49th minute. Uh, Louisville places a, I believe it was a cross, not a, not a free kick, uh, places a cross from the right corner. Uh, it, <clears throat> uh, Abdul Salam looks like he's trying to play it off of his head, and he just whiffs, a, a complete whiff. The ball finds itself at the foot of Brian Ownby, uh, and as Abdul Salam is trying to recover, and Joey Farrell comes flying in. Ownby, uh, Phoenix gets lucky, and Ownby just makes a mess of it and places it far off the left post into what's known as Scouse's house uh, by the Louisville supporters. Uh, Kyle, that happened right pretty much in front of where the Phoenix supporters were. Was there? What was the collective gasp there like? Yeah, just a huge collective sigh of relief. I mean, um, as you said, uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic of Saad. We're so used to him, you know, having consistent play in the back and being able to knock those balls out and, and reset. And unfortunately, yeah, knocks it down to Ombi. And I think I think the pressure of the Phoenix Rising players right there and just the pressure of the opportunity in a nil-nil match to get that big goal um, got to him there. And luckily for Phoenix, he missed the shot. But... I mean, it was just, it was so tense at that point because, I mean, the, the game was up for grabs and um, it was, you know, it was just a really, really close opportunity that definitely had us uh, a little worried. Yes. So the, uh, unfortunately, that, that really was a uh, omen of things to come. And I think that this Phoenix back line uh, was just mentally exhausted from putting up with uh, a relentless crossing attack from Orange County. Then they, we start seeing the same thing come in from Louisville, <clears throat> and a, a, a pinballing cross. It must have hit three, four, five, six players in the box before falling at the foot of Spencer, who places the ball in the back of the net past uh, a Tristan Blackman who was standing on the line and a Carl Wazinski as well. Waz was pretty, you know, Waz was asked about this in the in the pre or in the post game, and you know it was just. Hey, the ball was pinballing. I saw it fall to the ground, and I saw it go in the back of the net. And there really wasn't anything that I could do about it. Uh, Dom, what did you see uh, in that in that particular case? Was there a, a breakdown, or was this just one of those sort of football plays that happens uh, where when the ball the ball can fall at somebody's feet, and sometimes that person is Chris Cortez, and sometimes it's it's uh, Spence, uh, Luke Spencer there. Yeah, I think it's one of those weird plays. I mean, if you go on any corner kick, all you can ask of the defenders is to win the first header. And if you go back and watch it, because I just did when you were describing it, Joe Farrell wins that first header. Unfortunately, he's pressured, so he can't get too much on it, and it kind of pops back up. And unfortunately for us, it pops into a place in the box where it's right in the middle of three defenders. So... um you know, they're able to get a clear header there. Um, and then the ball bounces around again. Um, it's just a, just a weird play. Like, again, we try to clear it. 
Then they put a shot on. Then Blackman does a great job to clear it off the line because that might have gone in. And again, unfortunately, the ball bounces right back into the middle of the box where Luke Spencer is waiting. And, uh, I I mean, that header could have gone anywhere. He could have headed it over the bar for a corner, could have headed out to the side where, you know, him or Lambert's able to clear a, a couple bad bounces there that keep it right in Louisville's, you know, path. And third time's the charm. Luke Spencer bangs it in. He doesn't make a mistake. And, you know, kudos to Lou City for taking advantage of that opportunity. Kudos to Spencer for stepping in for Cameron Lancaster and taking advantage of his one clear-cut chance in the match. Um, you you wouldn't necessarily expect that from a backup striker, but uh, he did what he needed to do. He was in the right spot. But it, it was more bad luck than anything, which is really frustrating because you hate to lose it on a fluke goal like that. And yet that's, it's kind of what happened. I mean, but that is what, <clears throat> why the sport, what is what the sport is. I mean, we've, we've won a couple goals from that. And, uh, in this particular case, you know, it's, it's sort of what happens, I guess. Um, for, from the 61st minute, uh, now we start getting into substitutions. Uh, Phoenix sees its uh, first substitution in the uh, 73rd minute with pulling uh, Kivon Freider out and putting in Billy Forbes. Now, this is kind of interesting substitution. What what they did strategically was they moved Jason Johnson from the left side into the center role, and they put Billy Forbes wide on the left. Uh, Dom, I think you had some pretty strong opinions on this. Tell, tell me what your, what your thoughts are. Yeah, I mean... Do I feel like Forbes had a role to play in this match? Yes. But do I think that subbing Kavon Freider off to bring him on was the right move? I really don't. I feel like Freider was getting involved at least somewhat in the attack and also um, stepping back in defense on several occasions. I feel like he was up for the night. And, um, you know, I Forbes is a great guy. He's a great person. But... In those moments, more often than not, I say more often than not because there have been a couple games where he's put in big goals, but more often than not, he just, for whatever reason, has not delivered in those chances, in those key moments. Um, And we see it shortly after he comes on in this match. An excellent opportunity, one that, you know, I'm pretty sure Cortez would have scored. I feel like Freider would have scored. Just doesn't work out, and... It wasn't just that chance either. I mean, Forbes lost the ball a couple of times where he had teammates to pass it to, and he also was played a beautiful through ball by Drogba and couldn't pull the trigger. So um, I, I understand the need for fresh legs there. I don't think Forbes for Freighter was the move to make. Yeah, I think we, I mean, we had options of, of you know guys like Shafrua Jr., um, who maybe have been better in that role, but Forbes had that experience. He's, he, he, he's got the experience and it it just kind of, it was another time where it was just a bit of a rough go for him. Uh, we get in the, 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 the next sub, uh, which really ends up, which is the final substitution for Phoenix, who only used two of the three subs, uh, is we pull Colin Fernandez out in the defensive midfielder role, put in Gladson Awako, uh, around that same time, we moved to uh, three uh, three-person back back line. So really, you're talking about a, a, a three back line with Lambert as a defensive midfielder, and then everybody's just throwing everything that they can forward uh, with Gladson Awako thro- uh, coming coming in there to be thrown forward. So uh, we pretty much gave it all that we could there. Um, do Do the you not- mind if I say one thing really quick? Yeah, go ahead. How do you keep Devin Vega on the bench for those last 30 minutes when we're down 1-0? How do you do that? I just don't understand. He is such an attacking threat, so great in open space, so great distributing the ball, such an amazing weapon on a night where we sorely could have used that. As, you I, know, just, I, I, I totally understand. agree with you. I, I'm right in line with you. As much as I really enjoy watching uh, Gladson Awako play, I don't know how you don't put Devin Vega in there. That guy just has um, balls of steel, and in a game like this, uh, he would be he would be able to bring such an effort, uh, especially if you're saying, okay, we're going to abandon one of our defensive midfielder positions, 
we need an attacking midfielder. To put another speed body on there, and a guy that really is absolutely fearless, uh, I, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Kyle? Yeah, no, I mean, hit the hit the nail on the head. I'm with you. Vega most definitely should have seen an appearance, um, especially in those circumstances. And, I mean, just to go to the Billy Ford substitution, um, I mean, from – it makes sense bringing on an experienced player like Forbes in that situation over Chef Brewer, but I think that if I were to make that substitution, I I would have done that maybe in the 80th, 85th minute at a later point in the match where, you know, Freighter had you know had plenty of opportunities and not been able to get it done, and then we introduced the speed of Billy Forbes. For me, it happened way too early. And another thing I couldn't help but think in that moment or a post match especially was how Alessandro Rigi could have had such a big impact coming on in that role in that match. Um, just, you know, a player that we really missed coming down the stretch, and I think we definitely saw it on uh, Thursday night. And I talked to, uh, to Rigi a little bit on the field afterward, uh, just very, very, very briefly, um, and you, you can just tell how disappointed he was not to be available for, to, for this match for sure. Um, last major thing to talk about, 90th minute. Uh, we have a free kick. I believe it was uh, um, Asante takes the free kick. Uh, ball goes off of the head of a Phoenix player, and I forget who exactly uh, it went off of. Uh, comes down in the area of Joe Farrell, who is finds himself, we'll call it, uh, I'll say well, he finds himself on the ground um, in, with the uh, ball in the goalkeeper's hands. The announcers seemed very adamant that they felt that this was a penalty. Uh, we talked about it a little bit before we, we started going, so I'm going to let the other guys talk before I make a, a fool out of myself. Dom, give me your thoughts. If there's VAR, it's a penalty. That's all there is to it. I mean, the ball's in the air, and yes, it's a needless foul. Their keeper would have won that ball pretty clearly. I don't think there's an argument about that at the same time. When the ball's in the air and Joe Farrell gets shoved down to the ground and there's extension of the arm, that's always the thing I say. If there's extension of the arm, you got to make that call. And I am convinced that if there is VAR used on that play, you end up getting a penalty there. Um, but the ref pretty clearly did not think that was the case. And, you know, a big missed opportunity. It wasn't the last time we would end up being upset at that ref but uh you know a little frustrating maybe it would have been lucky for us because we weren't creating enough quality chances but it, the rules are the rules you can't do that um and you just gotta step up and make the right call there hey guys i'm gonna pa i'm pausing really fast i'm gonna be right back in about 10 seconds okay or maybe 15 seconds all right Was uh was everyone at the soccer complex freaking out after that that foul or no foul was, right there? It was tough to see in lifetime. Okay, when they showed the replay. People were pretty. That's when they about it. See, and that's like it was on the far goal from where I was at at the stadium, so I didn't even see it. I didn't get to see or hear anything about it till post match when we were like looking through everything and rewatching the highlights and everything. So, I mean, it was one thing that. Aaron brought up too is Farrell didn't even seem to really contest the call. He didn't seem like, you know, hey, I was fouled. He didn't really seem like he made anything of it. I mean, maybe, maybe that was something that the rep could have helped push the referee towards that, but I don't know. I mean, it, like you said, it's it's not something we should have been relying on, though. I mean, it's that late in the match. It would have been nice to get it, but it's feeling of we should have been level before then. Yeah, I mean, like, and you can even bring that point up, too, about Farrell not, like, contesting it too much, but at the end of the day, like, if there's VAR and they review and, it, it's penalty. And we're back. Okay. All right, Kyle, ready? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, Kyle, go ahead with your thoughts. Well, I, so I was in the far end of the stands from where the goal, where that goal was, where that the supposed foul took place. Um, 
So I didn't really get a good view of it until after the match was over, watching the highlights of the match um, from from the you know from the TV from the camera angle. It does appear as though Farrell is fouled. Um, but one thing you know for me that you know kind of makes me question it and makes me wonder maybe this is why the referee didn't really have much of an eye or think about this was Joe Farrell didn't seem to contest the referee not blowing the whistle there that or you know, try to show that he was fouled in any way and um, make anything of it. So maybe, you know, Farrell thought that, you know, that was clean play and, it and you know, that's why the referee let play go. Um, I mean, unfortunate for Phoenix, but that, that would have been the lucky call for us. And it, it's, you know, it would have been nice, but really Phoenix shouldn't have to rely on that to get ourselves level. We should have already, you know, scored a goal on the multiple opportunities we'd had up until that point. So it, it was unfortunate that it didn't fall in our favor. But, you know, like, uh, you know, some people say it was a penalty. Some people won't. You know, I think VAR definitely would have assisted in the clarity of the decision. But, you know, we're still second division in the U.S. So I think VAR is a ways out. So I'm going to give you guys a contrary opinion um, and, and uh, discuss this. Um, and I'll tell you a couple of the reasons why. F- first thing is... Uh, it- in going back and actually reviewing my photos, uh, I did have a burst capture in that at that time, and I was basically just if if you're watching the broadcast, <clears throat> I was just to the left of the goal. Uh, I was the guy in the white cap. Uh, so as I went through and edited my photos, I saw nothing. All I saw was a guy was a guy that got tripped up, in, which looked like in general play. As I'm watching the replay as well. I'm seeing the Louisville defender doing a bit of boxing out. He didn't, uh, and and uh, when Pharrell gets caught up with him, he's actually the the defender has his back to him. Pharrell actually run. Uh, I keep saying Pharrell because there's a great sportscaster named Pharrell. Shake it up. Uh, but uh, Farrell actually really kind of pinballs off of the guy's back. Final piece is that the goalie is coming out. This is in the goalie box. And the really important thing to, to understand, when you are a goalie, anything that happens in that box, the ball is considered to be yours uh, for the most part. And that goalie was coming up. He was going to be higher than Farrell regardless. And what was going to happen, if even, even if Farrell was able to get his body there, he was going to find that goalie's knee right in his back higher uh, with with his with his arms up, I don't think Farrell had a chance at that ball. I don't think it would have been it, it would have mattered at all. And I which did, is which I, is fine, which is fine. So don't push him down to the ground. There are so many penalties given on corner kicks where a guy has no chance of getting on the corner kick, but if you get knocked down in the box, that's still a penalty. It is, but there's there's two other things. So this is the other th- the other thing. I had an I had a conversation with a senior match official um, uh, after the game who had a chance to review the tape and was actually uh, in some of the adjudication on that. And he the comment unequivocally was that this was not a foul. Uh, he said there that there was a foul that was potentially missed, and the foul and it actually was a foul on Phoenix in the scrum after the uh, after the free kick went off. So, you know, it is what it is. The fact of the matter is we shouldn't have put ourselves in that position. What happened there was a football play. It occurs in every match, in every division, in every city, at every level, at all times. And, <clears throat> you know, you never want to have a match decided on a call or no call. But I definitely have a, have the feel that that was a close enough uh, that 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 was close enough that I'm good with the no call in that particular case. Um, so feel free uh, send all your hate mail to at @fitballphoto on Twitter and at @fitballphoto on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> that's the way it goes in my world. And that's that's fair. I mean, the the thing that might have even been more annoying is. Uh, so the ref gives three minutes of stoppage time. Louisville makes a substitution for Brian Ownby in the second minute of stoppage time, just after Carl makes a huge save in a one-on-one situation on Ownby. Uh, then uh, the goalie, Greg Ranjit Seath, gets a yellow card for time-wasting. 
So all that takes at least a minute 15 off the clock. And they still, the ref still blows the whistle at 92.56. Right when we're putting a, a ball forward for kind of a last-ditch effort. What are your thoughts on that? Because that got under my, that got under my nerves even more than a potential non-call for a penalty. Yeah, so the really interesting thing is, like I said, I was right there. I was pretty much, uh, I was on the 18-yard line. So Ranjetsing's right in front of me. I actually played a ball off of my foot to get the ball over to, to the corner for one, for uh, for us to, to have a corner kick. Um, and in talking with, uh, again, talking with one of the senior match officials for the for this game, uh, it was really interesting because we talked about match preparation for these officials. And he said flat out, you know, they prepare just like a player prepares in watching tape uh, and they're watching tendencies and they knew that Ranjetsing has this has a history of, of time wasting um, and the Phoenix Rising players knew full well also uh, we had a twice I think that Drogba actually pulled the ball uh, from the uh, from the ball boy and to give it to Ranjetsing so that he wouldn't have to waste time Asante did it once as well uh, Ranjetsing w- wasn't having it he was very he was a little upset uh, but knowing Ranjetsing's tendency for time wasting, that's why the center ref pulled that uh, yellow card so quickly because they they knew that that's what he was planning on doing. Um, but on the field, of course, we don't have a, a timer that's counting up to be able to see. We knew that it was three minutes. I felt that that was a little bit short, but it had been a pretty pretty clean second half. Uh, and you know, so three minutes, maybe four. I was thinking four minutes, uh, but we didn't realize at the stadium that time was actually blown before the three minutes were even up. Kyle, is that, did, did that surprise you? Did you, when, when you heard that after the match or saw it on Twitter or whatnot, did it surprise you that, that that was blown early? Well, yeah. Cause I mean, you, it's a cup final. You expect, you expect the referee to, you know, let the match play out. And in that situation, like Dominic said, Phoenix, was somewhat on the break and did have an opportunity to do something. And um, the referee blows the whistle early. And and like Dominic said, there was even a substitution in stoppage time. So you would think the referee would take, take that time into consideration as well. And he didn't. So, I mean, it's, it's very disappointing as a Phoenix fan, we can all say what if, and, you know, wonder what could have happened had he allowed play to go on for another 30 seconds. But um, I mean, it's, it's just disappointing, but hopefully, you know, this is, you know, something that the USL maybe looks at and, you know, preaches towards pro referees that they they need to adhere to these types of things going forward. Because, you know, in the national spotlight on ESPN2, I'm sure uh, that did not look too good for us. Indeed. No, I mean, it's just you have a three-minute stoppage and you have at least a minute of time wasting in those three minutes. And then you're going to blow the whistle before you even get to the 93 i it just maybe it didn't feel that way in the stadium and maybe the fans were egging him on and he he you know fell to their will and blew the whistle early but um to blow it at that point just made no sense it's not even it's not even within like a reasonable it's not even a reasonable error where like okay i can understand why he blew it that early if he had blown it at 93 30 that's something i can live with that's something i can understand the non-penalty call, that's something I can understand. I might not agree, but blowing it at 92.56 right when we're sending a ball forward with all that time wasting that just happened, I can't understand that. There's no logical explanation. That's an interesting take and not, not one that I that I had even heard, so that that's really a fantastic perspective. Um, all right, so that's the match. We'll kind of talk... Do you, Kyle, do you have any final thoughts on the match itself before we talk? I really want to hear from Dom about what the fan experience was like um, at Phoenix Rising Soccer Soccer Complex. Soccer Complex. The Soccer <laughs> Complex. I'm a very complex person. I can't, can't uh, get together my words. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and then, of course, Kyle and I would love to share with you guys uh, of, of the hospitality of Louisville and what it was like to be on the ground out there, both as a media member and just as a fan in the stand. So uh, fill, fill us in on, on what that experience was like in the stadium. Um, <laughs> it was a really cool experience. I, like I was saying before, I would think about 3,000 people were there. It was the entire West Stand 
and then I would say maybe 2,000 people were in the West End and then maybe another 1,000 on the grass. They had two big uh, big projector kind of screens that they rented out. They were inflatable um, big screens so you could see the match clearly. There were a couple funny technical difficulties on those at the start of the second half. They didn't turn the stadium lights off in time, so people were uh, were letting their feelings be heard about that. That was pretty funny. And then at the end of the match, it got kind of chilly and windy. It's all relative, not Louisville cold, but uh, a little windy. And one of the screens um, actually fell down, and then the other one was about to fall down. <laughs> so they had to get like you know 15 people volunteering to hold it up. We were all having a good laugh about that, and uh, it, it gave some levity to a pretty tough situation there. And the supporters were great. They were chanting after the final whistle, you know, applauding the team, even though the players weren't present, even though we had just lost. To see that kind of spirit was outstanding. And uh, it, was, it was a cool environment. You were know, they, for were not- they chanting as the game was going on? Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, that's so funny. That's so cool. Definitely. And I, I want to say there were even a couple flares. Um, you know, no goal, so we weren't able to see it really go off. But uh, it was a great atmosphere. Everyone was super engaged. And uh, just not the final result we were hoping for. I think uh, uh, USL kind of missed an, a little bit of an opportunity there. You know, given... Uh, for folks that don't know, what happens with the USL is... Uh, they t- they take all of this footage, um, and it all all the footage gets sent out to Tampa Bay where it gets mixed. I think USL really missed an opportunity that they should have had a uh, had a camera um, in Phoenix. Uh, I mean, they already have one up at the top there. I guess probably they don't. It's not stored there all year round, but they should have been cutting in some of the shots of what was going on. I think that that would have really added to the, to the, to the experience a little bit um, because we would, you know, or have it, had it connected to be able to show some of the shots while we were in Louisville, because I think that would have been really neat for their fans to see our fans uh, just like we were seeing there. So that, but anyway, th- that's a note for next year USL, uh, for all of the, the USL officials that listen to our show on a regular basis. I, I told Mike Watts this on Monday, but I don't think he's the one in charge of the cameras. So He is not, but he was in rare form. Uh, it was really good to see him in person. Uh, Mike Watts did happen to stop by the Coconut Beach Taco something or another. Uh, Co- uh, Coconut Beach where the Phoenix Rising supporters and fans were hanging out before the game. So we did get to see Mike Watts and Tyler Terrence. They actually stopped by very specifically to give uh, Monica McPherson and a couple other folks hugs and say hello. Uh, so that was really fantastic see- to see Tyler in person. I've met Mike Watts before. Such a class individual. Really great guy. Uh, both of them such young broadcasters. Uh, so just like we're really excited to see folks like Devin Vega, or, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Devin Kurt. De- works. So- we're excited to see guys like Vega play on the fi- on the pitch. I'm really excited to to be able to know Devin Kerr and Tyler Terrence and Mike Watts and, and be able to watch their careers that are going to go on for the next 40 years as well. So on to the to the fan experience for us. Uh, now I had a press pass, so I got to be on the field and 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 go uh, rub rub shoulders with the likes of uh, you know. Mike and and uh, Tyler and whatnot, but the, from the fan perspective, Louisville's fans were just absolutely fantastic. Uh, they had they have a tailgating supporters group, basically that set that sets set up a tailgate at twelve o'clock. Now the game was until what eight uh eight uh, thirty yeah. It was eight, well, eight thirty. It was like eight thirty kickoff, but about eight local time is when they started the processions. Yeah, they started their tailgate at noon, uh, and most of us got over to Coconut Beach around three o'clock, three thirty ish. There weren't a lot of our fans that that went over to their tailgate. I was a little bit surprised. Um, there was some that definitely. You know, didn't want to uh, like the, the, the Louisville fans ahead of the match in any way, shape, or form. Um, but they they had a great tailgate. Uh, several hundred people came out. 
I got to interview one of the uh, members of the drum corps uh, and, their, and a member of their supporters group. He was actually the guy who sang the national anthem. He was picked to sing the national anthem because he had done it seven times during the season, and Louisville City won every single one of those matches. So they tapped him again, and, you know, so, of course, in the interview, I had to share with him that we were undefeated on dollar beer nights, and he said, oh, are they doing that back at the stadium right now? And I said, no, unfortunately, we're not. Sam Dore, if you're listening, man, (sighs) next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't want to test fate. <laughs> yeah, let's let's find a sponsor to to, to keep that running. But uh, that's the way that goes. Uh, in the stadium, being on the field, I was very impressed. Not just with the the Louisville supporters, but everybody who was there. Uh, they sang, they chanted. They didn't do as much chanting as our supporters do, uh, but they have some of their drumline cadences where they interact with it. Uh, and then they have some. They had some good songs as well. Uh, at the end of the game, of course, I was standing in front of their supporters, and I understand that some of our supporters couldn't hear what was going on in their supporter section quite as well because they were all the way across the field. Kyle, what what was being talked about in in our in the Phoenix Rising's little corner of the world over there related to the fan experience and the their, the Louisville supporter section? Um, it was a pretty good fan experience overall. I mean, they they did uh, make sure to rope us off a specific section with caution tape and post that this was for the Phoenix Rising supporters only. Um, so we proudly, you know, took that area as our own and uh, made it just that. Um, I think for the, for the most part, our interactions with Louisville fans were pretty good. There was a few times that they, uh, they had some individuals walk by and taunt us and, you know, throw a few choice words our way. Um, there was actually one point in about, uh, probably about the 50th minute that some Louisville fan came up and was trying to create a ruckus, but uh, security was quick to get him out of our section, and I believe he was kicked out of the game as well. But overall, I mean, the Louisville fans were very nice. You know, they were all impressed that we traveled so far to come see the team. Um, and, and, you know, b- brave that kind of weather, you know, they all know that Phoenix does not get as chilly as it was that night, at least, uh, you know, not in November. Um, so, I mean, it, everyone was just really kind, told us to enjoy the city, you know, uh, to, you know, gave some bourbon recommendations, which I definitely, uh, am thankful for and, and definitely, uh, can, you know, say that they're, they have some, uh, some great, libations there in uh, in Kentucky um but uh I mean it was just a great time overall you know the Phoenix fans I think some of us were disappointed that we weren't allowed to bring in our our flags um we were told that there was allowed to be no flags in the stadium when the Louisville supporters actually were allowed to have their flags so a little bit of that kind of stuff that you know the road fans always kind of seem to get the rough end of the stick but uh you know other than that I think it was a great experience and you know, I'm so glad I was able to go and support the team. And, you know, after the match, the Phoenix fans, I think that's when we were our loudest, you know, just cheering for the boys and letting them know how proud of them we really were because we saw how tough of a match it was. And uh, win or lose, you know, we were going to be proud and thankful that they gave us this experience no matter what. So just to be there was it was awesome. Yeah, it was really fantastic for me. Uh, after I got my media credential, I started walking up the stairs, and I could hear our chants. And it was our our got our fans standing at the kind of almost like the center of the field at the top of the stadium, uh, cheering as as the the players were warming up. I did see that Kevon Freider did have his phone with him, and he uh, took a video of that and posted it to Instagram. So it it was definitely appreciated by the players. Uh, and I think that that there was a uh, there really was a measure of respect and like going like. Gosh, I mean, even it's a it's a group of a hundred, but they really schlepped out here uh, in order to they, the folks in Louisville. They know how hard it is to get in and out of there, uh, how expensive it is. So there was definitely a lot of respect going there. All right, so don't want to go into final thoughts necessarily, but uh, let, let's do this. Um, Dom, who was your player of the match? Um. You know, I think overall it's it's got to be Luke Spencer because he took his chance and 
he was the one guy that did take a chance in that match and put it in. I think for Phoenix Rising, um, you know, Solomon Asante did a great job in that second half, just busting his tail, trying to get his balls, trying to create chances. Um, so, you know, our, on our end, probably uh, Solomon Asante, because especially those last 10, 15 minutes, um, he was just the one guy that was just refusing to quit. And, um, you know, if, if that was his last performance in a Phoenix Rising uniform, I'm sure he's going to have options this offseason. And we're not going to get into that today. But if that was his last performance, he honored the jersey. He honored our squad so well in that match. And um, he's probably on our side, the man of the match. Um, what about you guys? Kyle, go ahead. Um, for me, I mean, it's... I got to go goalkeepers on both sides. Um, Ranjit Singh, I mean, he he had a great match. He really, you know, stopped Phoenix from being able to get anything going in the first half and, you know, in the second half late on as well. You know, just, you know, did not give us any, you know, kind of rebound opportunities in the box, did not, you know, just took care of the ball and just made sure that he controlled his his part of the penalty area. And unfortunately, you know, Phoenix, you know, we just couldn't get that one chance and, on the Phoenix side, I mean, just Carl Wazinski for keeping us in the match for so long. And even on the goal, as we said, he really, he was not the one at fault. It was just, you know, a crazy run of play in the box, almost like a hockey play to where, you know, they just get multiple shots and eventually they're able to get one in. And um, I mean, I just think both goalkeepers, you know, they really stepped up. This was just such a tight match, such fine margins. And I mean, it could have gone you know, either way on a cold night that I'm sure their hands, you know, they weren't able to feel them very well, especially Wazinski. I know he's from Indiana, but he's been in the desert for a while now. So to be able to have the solid touch that he did, um, I was just really impressed and thought there was solid goalkeeping overall. I am going to say that the man of the match was um, Didier Drogba. Uh, he definitely had a, had a pretty large effect on Louisville City. Um, he had, he did have some chances. He had a, cu- a couple very key passes. Um, I don't feel that he was, um, overly selfish. Sometimes, sometimes things can be a little bit selfish, but I think he did a pretty good job in distribution, um, in playing in the 10 role. Uh, I think it's a nice role for him. Uh, I, I definitely feel that the players were probably pushing a little bit too hard, and fell a little bit too much into the oh it's Didier's last it's it's Diddy's last game it's Diddy's last game, um, but I, I think he managed the game pretty well from that uh, playing in the ten role, uh, and didn't really overplay his hand too much. Very in, in general, I'm always very concerned that we're gonna have a have a Didier that's uh, again I I use this term too much but play is playing on tilt in a way that he loses control and has the potential to have it essentially to be red carded in his final match. Now he did, he did have a yellow card, um, but it, it, everything stayed in pretty well control. And even Paolo De Piccolo, the uh, captain the Louisville city captain had very, very kind things to say about how the match was run um, and how the, how everything was, was sort of adjudicated um, and he said that it was a very fun match to play. So, uh, in, in talking about, in t- in the post game conference, he did talk about, hey, we're looking for our, we're looking to to win our fouls. They're looking to win their fouls, but there wasn't anything really ticky tacky go- going. Nobody was complaining on every little thing. Now, in my opinion, I think the Louisville City players were complaining a bit. <laughs> a bit more, but maybe that was just my perspective. Uh, so it was good to see the level of respect. And uh, and ultimately, I'll go ahead and start off with my final thought about the match itself, is I think that this team got itself too caught up in Diddy's last match. It's really what it comes down to. Everybody was talking about it. Every question, the press conference that, that occurred on Wednesday, it was like every question was, was geared toward Didier. And the, the problem is is that 
the only folks that weren't showing hero worship, the media was showing the hero worship, uh, Rick Shantz was showing some hero worship, uh, Hackworth uh, was showing a little, the only folks who really had, um, uh, I won't say, it's not that they didn't have respect for it, uh, but they weren't impressed was Louisville City, and they knew what they had to do to get it done, and they didn't care if it was Didier Drogba or, uh, you know, Kylian Mbappe or Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, they they had their game plan, and they played their game plan. A uh, lot of good connected passes, a lot of good possession, and uh, that's, that's pretty much how you come out on top. If you are able to stick into your game plan and uh, not give up the big plays, uh, the counters as, as they were expected to give up, then uh, you end up winning the game. So that's that's how that happens. Uh, Kyle, what are your final thoughts? I, I mean, just what a match. I mean, just for so proud of and that we were able to take part in a cup final, you know, in their second season as Phoenix Rising with, you know, very few holdovers from the Arizona United days. Um, I mean, just just amazing to see the progress that we've made. You know, we we made it to our goal of making the final. We weren't able to win it, but still, I mean, we were able to you know get so far this season. I think it if we're able to keep together a good core group of players for next season, I think it bodes really well for us to make another USL Cup final because I think they're going to learn so much from this. And throughout the season, the motivation is going to be to make sure to ensure that we host the cup final at home. Because had that match been in Phoenix, I think all three of us can agree that it would have gone a completely different way. Um, I, it just it was an amazing experience overall. And I'm so proud of the team. You know, the result wasn't what we wanted on the field, but we saw a lot from them. We saw fight till the very end. Um, and I mean, it was just so great. And like you said, Aaron, unfortunately, I do think that Drogba, his storyline took the front seat to Phoenix's, you know, being in a final and the rest of the team, you know, being able to achieve what they did, um, considering that Drogba wasn't a part of the team for most of the season. You know, it, it was kind of unfortunate because these players were the ones that put in the hard work in the dog days of summer when Drogba was in Russia enjoying the World Cup. Um, so, I mean, it is a bummer that they didn't, you know, necessarily get all the recognition they deserved. And I think Louisville was motivated to to be the team that goes out there and stops Drogba in his last match. And, um, you know, there's been speculation now whether it will be his last match or not. I don't even want to get into that right now. But I think regardless, you know, we have to be thankful to Didier for everything he's done for this club. He's got us into the media's eye. I mean, nationally even internationally there's you know there's you know countries around the world that have outlets that are posting about phoenix rising so it's it's just such a great time for phoenix rising and i think next season you know we just have so much more to look forward to because we know what this team's capable of now and you know we can we can just go up from here all right dom yeah i mean it's um it's a match of what ifs but it's still an incredible season, a historic season, um, you know, a season that saw us set records in points, you know, first home playoff win, winning the Western Conference, all of those amazing things. Um, you know, I think we are going to take a week off next week as a podcast, collect our breath, and then we're going to have a lot of fun stuff to talk about in our next couple episodes. Uh, season in review will be our next one, and we are going to, that's when we can get into you know, was this a successful season? We can get into, you know, some of those end of season awards and we can get into which players do we think are going to stay and go. I saw a couple questions about that in our supporters section today. Um, so we'll get to that stuff in the future. I don't think today is the day to do that because the match is still so fresh. But um, big thank you to everyone on the team that poured their hearts out. Uh, getting us all the way to that final stage. Big thanks to the coaching staff, uh, to Rick Schantz, to everyone, all the assistants, all the trainers, everyone that was involved in making this a historic season. And to all the fans that like set attendance records, showed up for the watch party, traveled out to those last two away matches. That's incredible stuff. Like Sam Dorr said, 
uh, right after the cup final next year is going to be a season of continued growth. And, you know, during the off season, we'll try to keep things, uh, keep you guys posted with updates as they progress. There is going to be a ton of, you know, questions about which players are returning, which ones are staying or which ones are staying, which ones are going. Uh, there's going to be a ton of stuff to talk about with all that. So we'll keep you posted there. But right now, just gratitude. Gratitude for everything that we accomplished. And Phoenix Rising is the only team that's been accomplishing things. Uh, do do want to give at least a, a, a shout-out to the to Grand Canyon University and the, uh, and the Lopes over there. Uh, Grand Canyon University played today on Sunday in the uh, WAC uh, the 2018 WAC tournament. They came into the tournament as a four seed, and they have actually won uh, the WAC championship for uh, for their men's soccer program. So that's huge for for GCU. They had a uh, just a fantastic start to the season with some win over top 25 teams, and now they are off to the NCAA uh, men's tournament. So fantastic! And uh, hey, lopes up, right? Anything yeah. that anything that can be uh, can make soccer in the Southwest here better. That's that's what we want to do for sure. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, great to see you know, great to see GCU having success, and hopefully, we can turn that school into a bit of a pipeline for Phoenix Rising, where you know we can have some local talent that we can rely on to come into our uh, into our club and you know build the future. Yeah, absolutely. And and what's interesting, uh, there is a Louisville player. A player on the University of Louisville's team uh, who uh, hails from the Valley here. So uh, we were kind of watching and stalking him on Twitter a little bit. And boy, wouldn't that be interesting if he comes back from Louisville and decides to play for us? Uh, because he's an all, I, I believe he was an all-conference guy and, and some real talent. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens roster-wise. We're going to have a lot of conversation about roster over the next couple weeks as we're starting to see uh, what players may be staying, what players may be going. Uh, I, if uh, Kyle and Dominic are like me, you know, we're doing a lot of Instagram stalking and trying to read in, trying to read into. Oh, this guy's taking a picture from uh, the top of Camelback. That means he's still here. Does that mean that he's staying? Or you know, this guy is back is back home there. Uh, we also have some really interesting uh, things to talk about related to uh, what happened with some roster things toward at the very end of the season uh, that may have affected uh, some team chemistry issues as well. So uh, please make sure to keep your ears open. Rising is one podcast. It's not done for the year by any means. We are still here with all of our punditry, uh, with Kyle and Dominic having great takes and me talking uh, about uh, just, you know, ridiculousness. So... But give us a week. We're gonna we're gonna want to relax next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we we all need to enjoy this off season. You know, the players, the club, the fans, all of us. We need to relax, recharge, and just like like Aaron said. I mean, we're gonna see so much growth next season, and I think that you know it's totally possible. And this this Phoenix team is just hitting the cusp because now the media. They're fully aware of how big Phoenix is and how much support we have. So coming into preseason, there should be no shortage of shortage of coverage of this team. And I think, you know, making these preseason matches sellouts next season could go a long way and just, you know, ensuring that we're going to have a great, you know, f- next season. Yeah, that's a, that, that's it on my list. Do you guys have anything else for today? Uh, I think that's it. Just thanks again to our sponsor, the Arizona Sports Complex. Uh, I don't need to do the full ad read right now, but um, you know, thanks for supporting us this whole year. And be sure to go out there. The Arizona Impact Indoor Soccer uh, season is starting soon. So definitely go check that out. You can do a Google search for Arizona Impact. Um, you can talk to myself or Pat Moses about it. Those are some pretty fun games. Kind of feels more like a hockey game because there's shorter periods and more goals and that kind of stuff. So, um, and that's at the Arizona sports complex. Dom, will you be returning to do some announcing there? Not sure. <laughs> Sorry. Not threw, sure. I just, I just th- threw that out there, you know, just, uh, um, <laughs> probably should have asked ahead of time. Okay. All right. Well, absolutely fantastic guys. Um, and I just want to give one shout out to uh, the Orange and, and, and Black podcast, who are still talking about being uh, uh, being uh, 
very, very hurt. Uh, and they were still complaining about us uh, even even a week after we won. So I caught a, caught their large their live broadcast where they basically talked trash for uh, the entire time about Phoenix Rising instead of talking about their own team. But you know that's okay. It's it, it's what it is because uh, you know realistically they didn't have any fans showing up to the games and uh, they don't have any listeners anyway. So all right, guys, uh, just want to throw that out there because. They were talking trash. Burn. <laughs> Burn unit. Sparking another wildfire in L.A. Aaron. Oh, dear. I, I like those guys a lot, but I was listening to that live, and I was trying to comment on things uh, because it, it was just, like, never-ending. So I feel like I, I have to get a little bit of a dig in regardless, uh, considering they had a whole show dedicated to digging on us. Um, but luckily, no one was listening. All right, this is for the Rising is One podcast. For Kyle Mackey and Dominic Kearns, I'm Aaron Blau from Firebird Soccer. Thanks, everybody, uh, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Up Rising. Go Rising. Go Rising. we'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is the official scarf supplier for MLS, USL, and US soccer. So be sure to go to roughneckscarves.com and get some of their products. We hope you enjoyed the show.